Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an emergency edition of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. Uh, I'm joined here today by Dana O'Gorman at Dania OG on Twitter, Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter, and Evan Hill will join us in a little bit um, when he is able to free himself. News of the day, if you have been under a Seahawks rock and haven't heard, Pete Carroll will no longer be the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks moving forward. He will take on some sort of advisory role that is not yet defined. Uh, John Schneider will remain as general manager. He will be in charge of hiring a new coach and will start that search uh, right away if it hasn't already started. Pete Carroll will not have say in who that person is, and his overall role in influencing the organization is is. To be determined. Uh, he just finished a press conference, and if you have not seen that, I highly recommend uh, you take. Uh, if you're invested enough to be watching our show, you should be invested enough to watch that press conference. It was a. Uh, it was a really. It was a really well. Um, I think it was just an appropriate way for Pete to to step down, and the way that he did, and the way he handled himself, and um, so I highly recommend it. Uh, I'm going to start here. You know, I think watching that press conference was just the latest confirmation that while everyone's going to spend a lot of time talking about Pete Carroll as a coach and his accomplishments as a coach, and we will do that as well. Pete Carroll, the person I think is incredibly unique and special. And um, he closed his tenure here with the same type of unique class and personality and vision that he entered with. And um, as someone who cares a ton about the Seahawks, more than is probably reasonable for uh, anyone to care about a sports team, and as someone who has had the privilege to lead um, different sized organizations and work for people that led large uh, multi-billion dollar organizations, I can't express really how rare it is to have someone who seeks power and authority to be a person of the quality of Pete Carroll, who puts other people at least at, uh, at the same level of him in terms of his own needs, but generally actually puts other people's needs 
ahead of his own. Uh, power does not tend to attract those types of people. And I think one of the things that we are so fortunate to have experienced with Pete Carroll as head coach is someone who brought that type of personality, not just to leadership and not just to coaching, but to a sport that is defined by bravado and ego and physicality. And there's a kind of bravery that that requires that I don't know that a lot of people truly understand. Uh, nobody coached the way Pete Carroll coached. It hadn't been done before. Positive, <laughs> positive reinforcement uh, was not something that was done anywhere in football and still is not something that is super common in football. But Pete Carroll's whole philosophy, philosophy is built on an individual and coming up with a vision for who that individual can be and what their future can look like and creating a shared vision of that with the individual person. And then whether it's a player, whether that's a GM, whether that's a scout, whether it's a coach, um, he does everything in his power to help people maximize their potential. And his belief is the collection of maximizing all those individuals ends up maximizing your overall organization. And it's something that's influenced me and how I lead. It's something that um, I don't think we will find in whoever takes on future employment here. I think that will probably be something that will always stand on its own as uh, kind of a hallmark of Pete's tenure here. He is the most successful coach that's ever come to Seattle. I think probably in any sport. He, he will have left with over a third of the wins for this entire franchise's 48 years of existence. Um, this franchise had five seasons of winning 10 or more games prior to Pete coming. Pete did it eight times in his 14 years here. Um, this franchise had made one Super Bowl before Pete came. They made two in his time back to back, won one of them and really should have won both. Um, he created a defense that will stand on its own for, I think, throughout history uh, as one of the most unique and dominant defenses to ever play the game. And the contrast between who he was or who he's been as a person, the positive, effervescent personality and the grit and intimidation and physicality that he created on the field is proof that you don't need to be an asshole to build a badass team. And I think there's so much said in that and there's so much proven in that. So um, I have so much respect for the way he handled himself in that press conference. It's exactly what I'd, I'd expect from someone like Pete. As much as I, uh, you know, as much as anybody else has been calling for a change, none of that, none of that is meant to diminish how much appreciation I have for who he is, what he's done and what he's brought me. Uh, this blog, this podcast was pretty tiny before Pete Carroll got here. And some of the best moments in my life, when I lay down the final time in my life, will be courtesy of what Pete Carroll brought um, to the Seahawks. So just want to express how much gratitude I have for Pete Carroll and how much respect I have 
for how he's handled himself through this whole process. And so with that, let me bring in the other folks. Um, I want to go with Dana O'Gorman, who I know is also uh, been a big Pete fan throughout his tenure here. How are you doing, Dana? Um, it, today's been a weird day. So I, I was I did a podcast earlier today, and on that podcast we were chatting about how strange we thought it was that they were pushing back the press conference, and it, it and it was odd, and it was strange, and it didn't sit well with us. And still, it never entered my brain that it was because Pete was leaving. I didn't know if they were going to do something with the coordinators, if maybe it was John, what it was, because he had seemed so strong in his words that he was coming back next year. And I believed him. And so when that came across, literally three minutes after we got off that podcast, um, I, I was absolutely gutted. And it wasn't because... I don't want to think it's because I didn't want change. I didn't want this. I, you know, I'm, a, you know, a Pete fan. I am a Pete fan, but that's it. I'm a Pete fan. I'm a fan of the man. I'm a fan of the way that he coached this team. I'm a fan of the way he lives his life and the way he believes in things and the belief he has. I'm sorry, I'm going to get sad again, but the belief that he has in these players and the way they respond to him. And so knowing that that was going away is what absolutely freaking killed me. So then I got my shit together and I was like, okay, I was a little bit better. And then what do I see on Twitter? I see all these people fighting about who the next coach is going to be. And it pissed me off. This is not what it's about. Who cares? Today, I don't care who the new head coach is going to be. I don't care who the new coordinators are going to be. I, I care that this is a marked end to something that was so great for so long. Whether people love or hate him, you can't argue that point. And it was it's a marked end to an era of just greatness in that team. I don't care what the records say. I don't care how many Super Bowls we won or didn't win. Just to me that it was so final. God, I hate that, right? It's just so final. So then I took a little solace in the fact that, oh, he's still going to be around. He's still going to be in the building. He's just stepping back. He's going to have his EVP. He's going to be there. We're still going to see him in these press conferences. And then after his press conference today, I don't know that that's true. It completely changed my perspective of what I had read of from Jody Allen's statement that he was coming in. He was going to have this other role. I'm like, yes, we're going to still have Pete. And then the press conference happened and I don't know that's it. And so I lost it because I'm like, I just cannot. I just can't imagine a Seahawks team without him right now. And that to me, it's really hard. And I didn't feel this way about Holmgren when he left. I didn't feel this way about other coaches. Players, sure. When Walter Jones retired, I was heartbroken, you know, and things like that. But this just feels so different and so much deeper. And I think for two reasons, one, because he's been around for so long and we have ha been so lucky to have him, but also because he's so different than every other NFL coach. And you could feel that from him. Um, every press conference he had, whether it was annoying to you or not, you know, it just, who he is will be so hugely missed, I think, in ways that we don't even truly understand yet. Jeff, what are your thoughts? Um, I've been advocating this move for the last few weeks. I've been secretly hoping it was going to happen. I didn't think there was a chance it was going to happen. 
Um, when it finally did, I was in legitimate shock. Uh, I could not believe that they pulled the plug. There was a lot of thought that he might have mutually walked away. The press conference was really clear. I've been covering sports for – I cover sports for like almost 10 years. been following sports for a long time. That was one of the more shocking press conferences, more graceful press conferences. I didn't think it would hit me like that. It was emotional. It was sad. It was brilliant. It was everything Brian said about Pete in a nutshell. Uh, I've been complaining about Pete Carroll, the coach, for years. Pete Carroll, the man, someone I'll always appreciate, someone I'll always love. Uh, when I started following the Seahawks, I kind of live in a city where every one of my friends is a fan of different teams. Um, the Seahawks were as irrelevant. No one ever talked to me about the Seahawks, ever. I would watch the games. I would get excited. My parents would be like, what's wrong with you? Um, that completely changed. Legion of Boom era completely changed. Russell Wilson era, Pete Carroll era. It was really cool to see him get his moment in the sun. Uh, obviously, you can tell from what he was wearing that he was caught off guard. He would not have showed up to his final press conference looking like that. Um, that sums up everyone. I'm glad Pete got his moment. and he, he is a brilliant leader. And it was honestly, you learned a lot about what Pete was saying. He talked about them losing their edge on the line of scrimmage. He talked about how they weren't physical enough anymore and just things we've talked about over the years. And it's just, it's kind of surreal. We've talked about how much we've wanted this happen and now it has. And see, they're all going through a lot of emotions. And I'm glad, again, that was a surreal, I can't remember a press conference of a coach that just been fired. It was that classy and that well spoken. And I've covered coach firings. I covered the Bills for years. There were firings every three years. Usually, don't get Mike Vrabel's not going to get a press conference in Tennessee. Pete Carroll is a legitimate legend. I'm glad he should raise the flag if he's not coaching at the next home opener. But at the end of the day, it was time. Ultimately, I believe it was the right decision. But man, that press conference was hard to watch. And just realizing that, seeing Bobby Wagner's face, seeing Gino, I don't know if you've seen a picture of Gino. There's a lot of questions. I don't know if we're going to cover them all on this show, but another show. But someone like Gino, his future is now completely changed. No one was in his corner more than Pete. But ultimately, I do think this is the right decision. And once before that press conference, I was pretty giddy just to see that there is something new and there were seeing that they're going to search or cast a wide net. I know everyone's pointing to Dan Quinn, and he's certainly going to be a candidate. But to see that the league insiders are saying that they're going to be – and I was thinking about this today. I, I kind of wrote you guys. I might have tweeted this. But going back to Holmgren and Mora, Mora was predetermined. Seahawks haven't had a coaching search really since the 90s, like where you go and see names get interviewed. and You see that, the excitement and the joy that brings with other teams. But today – I'm glad Pete got his moment. That was a really impressive press conference. And yeah, like every Seahawks fan, if you're not feeling anything, there's something missing because that was one of the more brilliant press conferences I've ever seen following sports. Evan. I think that's the only time I've cried during a press conference, to be quite honest with you. I'm um, mimicking many of your guys' thoughts. I'm, I'm stunned. They they actually did this. They pulled the trigger on this. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that Jody Allen and Burt Cole did this. Um, it's obviously something we've been discussing for weeks and months, but I just will never forget that press conference and Pete Carroll reminding us uh, 
all the reasons we love Pete Carroll, the person, you know, celebrating his players, the relationships he has across the league, elevating, um, you know, a, a player treatment to the league office that he mentioned throughout his time there. Um, I was guys, I'm the last time I was rooting for like a non Pete Carroll led football team. I was like 14 years old. Like I, I feel it's, it's very shocking. Um, I'm just, I'm just stunned. Um, I, I love, I love as much as I've criticized Pete for his on-field stuff. Pete Carroll, the person is just somebody we like should all strive to be like, it's literally his, his love for other people uh, the human element, he, he, you know, he called out the coaches, all the different families that are part of this franchise. It's a great reminder that there's such a strong human element behind all of this. Like there's assistant coaches, there's coordinators, there's administrative staff, there's personnel management. Um, there's going to be a lot of change and this has a real impact on real people. And Pete Carroll has been the face of this franchise for 14 years, and he is culturally everything we ever wanted the Seattle Seahawks to be. Um, I'm just like the overwhelming feeling I've had um, today outside of being stunned is genuinely gratitude uh, because this releases me to feel only positive thoughts about Pete over the past 14 years that I really mean that. I really mean that sincerely. Um, he is responsible for bringing um, some, bringing me some of the happiest moments in my life. Like genuinely, um, I will never forget the 2014 NFC Championship game. Um, uh, shelling out my college savings at the time to uh, go to that game with my dad and sit there uh, row eight, and um, it was one of the happiest moments of my entire life. Like genuinely, I don't mean to cry and like start getting emotional, but like that's the beauty of sports is people like the people like him matter. And, um, you know, he doesn't know who we are, but or at least who most of us are. But he's brought us um, moments that I will treasure forever. And um, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for Pete. I love him. It was the right decision to move on. But um, I'm just I'm overwhelmingly grateful for him. So. I love it. It's it's interesting. I mean, we all know each other well enough to understand the the nuances and complexities of of what you want that's best because you what's best for the franchise and what's best for to to get back to winning and also being able to appreciate and have gratitude. All those things can be true. So, you know, uh Evan's been, you know, critical of Pete. Jeff's been critical of Pete. I have been critical especially this year of Pete. Um, that doesn't mean that at any point there's lack of understanding or, or appreciation for who he is or what he's done. Um, I want to read really quickly a tweet from Doug Baldwin that just came out while we were on air. I think says, says a lot of good things. Um, I've had the privilege of being around a lot of incredible coaches in my lifetime. The best ones knew that they were more than just a coach. They knew that they were role models and a significant influence in the lives of young people. They had the honor of coaching. Pete Carroll was one of those coaches for me. I'm incredibly grateful for his leadership, his patience, his grace, his commitment, and above all, his friendship. Pete Carroll, appreciate and love you, coach. I hope you take a long vacation with your wife. She deserves it. So, you know, 
Pete, um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of back and forth, even even after the announcement came about how this came to be. And I have good reason. And even before this to understand that this was something that was coming down from the top um, from from ownership and Jody Allen and Burke Cold. Uh, Pete talked about John Schneider in this uh, and I think there are some interesting implications that I'm not exactly sure what to make of them quite yet and whether John was actually part of making the recommendation to move on from Pete um, or not. Um, there was a little bit of, there's a little bit of implication there that that could be the case. Um, and I think the other part of this that we'll we'll start to talk about um is what will now be known as a john schneider era uh that that starts as of today and pete to some extent kind of said uh good luck with that <laughs> you don't know what's about to come your way but uh on the other side there's been a lot of evidence in the past um John was ready to move on from Russell before Pete was. John was ready to draft, you know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. You know, he was ready to do a lot of things that that did not happen. And we're going to, for the first time, truly be able to separate how those two men choose to lead an organization. And I'm very curious. I'm very curious. I, I you know, I have happened, had the opportunity to meet both of them. Um, spent more time with John certainly than I've spent with Pete and I have a ton of respect for both of them. And as a Seahawks fan, I certainly hope, uh, I wish John to be incredibly successful. Uh, I also just want to be real that when I was advocating in this season for a change at coach, I think there is as likely maybe more likely a chance that the Seahawks get a lot worse than there is that the Seahawks get a lot better. I don't think, I don't assume that the Seahawks are going to stumble into an upgraded coach. I don't assume that. Um, that doesn't mean that a guy who has not been able to get over the hump for the last seven, eight years is the right answer to, you know, that status quo is still the right answer. So it's a complicated set of pieces, and I think there's going to be a lot of people with priors that are going to be pointing out, look, you got what you asked for. There's going to be other people that are going to say, oh, he was holding us back. If you know, if I don't know, guys. I just, uh, for right now, my overwhelming emotion is, is gratitude and um, appreciation. But I do think it's worth us spending some time talking about um, – what happens now? What happens now? And yeah, go ahead, Evan. Yeah, I just want um, it, to – it's kind of intertwined with the question you're asking right now, Brian. Um, but Dana mentioned it, and I think it's really important. Um, as the reports were kind of coming out today before the press conference, it sure seemed like it was more solid – that Pete was going to step into an advisory role in an executive advisory role, something that we've speculated on for years now that he'd be elevated, um, that he would still maintain like a personnel player uh, culture building type role. 
that didn't seem so certain based off the press conference. And it sounds like he might have potentially no involvement with the franchise moving forward. Uh, Does that concern you guys at all? Or are you guys indifferent to, to that outcome? Can can I just say something about that really quick? I I agree. It was, it was very odd to me, Evan. It seemed like in Jody's, it was, they, he was just going to move right into this position I'm wondering, because he kept kind of blowing that question off a little bit and saying, I don't know, I don't know, we'll see, we'll see. It, it's, he seemed a little angry, <laughs> let's be honest. Sometimes he seemed a little irritated. But also he kept turning it back to John. It was John's show now, it was his show. So I'm wondering if there was a little deflection there of, I want to make sure everyone knows that I'm not here to just keep doing the job I was doing before. This is now John, John's deal. But it didn't, I, it just didn't sit well. It's like, he's like, I don't know. They told me I could still hang out at the building. Sort of a conversation. You know what I mean? It seemed a little strange. I hope they don't, I hope he still is around. And the reason that I say that is not because I want to hold on to Pete. It's, I, I really do believe in what he was doing with the team when it came to the players and their best interests and what they could do. And when he went off on that about what he talked to the league about, um, it's very funny because years ago I did a, a story about the NFL's quote unquote retirement plan and how disgusting and disgraceful it is. And so it was very interesting to me. I perked right up when I heard that because it did an interesting story about that. But I really think that in that type of role is where he might really excel now at this point. But I think truly in the day-to-day running of things, I don't I don't know that Pete has a role in in this organization anymore. Or at least it didn't feel like it anymore. Jeff, I, I read this as... Um essentially ownership finding a soft landing for Pete. So his career that is really the narrative of Pete's career is getting fired early and then rising like a Phoenix from the flames and being a a massive success. The only coach to ever, I think, win a college national championship and a Super Bowl. Um, And so I, I, I don't assume that this is a long term thing or if it'll ever even really materialize. I think it was just optically better than saying Pete Carroll's been fired. That was my read. I read it as kind of bullshit. Uh, I think it was a thing they did out of respect. They didn't want to outright say he's out. I think soft landing is the perfect way to put it. Um, You can tell from Pete's answers. That's clearly not what's going to happen. He clearly was blindsided by it. Um, I think he was taken back by it. Even some of the ways he dismissed some of the questions he's hurt. And I think Pete has too much respect for whoever the next coach is going to be to kind of linger over their shoulder. I never really saw Pete as a logical fit to be like the VP kind of guy. Like I remember Holmgren did that role in Cleveland. He talked about how hard it was for him to sit during games and how bad he was at it. Pete, who's like moving like 200 miles an hour and thoughts going through his head. There's no way he could sit in that role. He he loses mind. So I would be stunned if Pete takes a role like that. I, I didn't see any possibility. I thought it was kind of fluff, maybe an experience from this ownership group, but I think it was just a purely respectful thing. They didn't want to just outright fire a guy who's been a legend to the organization. So what happens next? This is John's show, man. Um, I was texting with some people in the league today. They said one of the dirty secrets in the league is John's wanted this to hire his own coach, his organization for years. I think that's he explored going to Detroit or he leaked that very specifically that one time. And... John's going to hire his guys. So we're going to learn a lot about what John wanted with his organization. It's going to start quickly. There's the big decision on Gino coming up. Um, 
But really, this is a coaching search now. John's leading the coaching search. You're going to learn a lot about what kind of coach he's wanted. In Green Bay, they favored offensive quarterback developing coaches in Green Bay. It's gone on from Holmgren to Mike Malafleur to Andy Reid, different guys they've hired. That's how John was raised. Ron Wolf draft the quarterback every year. Um, it's come out nationally already that Jeff Ho reported from New England that they're going to cast a pretty wide net. It's not just Dan Quinn or Bust. And really, I texted people around the league, and they said this is by far the best opening in the NFL right now. Um, you have amazing fan base, great stadium. Everyone refers to John as a big-time GM. When you're getting a coaching job, your biggest concern is who the GM is. John, for all the – most people don't understand that we all focus on personnel moves, but being a GM is so much more than just picking players. It's setting an organization. It's treating staff. It's dealing with problems. John is so well-regarded. So you look at the Commanders, it's the Chargers, it's the Raiders, it's the Panthers, it's the Falcons, it's the Titans. Those are all pretty disastrous jobs. You're looking at a job that has big-time weapons, young talent, and a pretty amazing facilities. This is going to be the most desired job on the market even if New England comes loose. So they're going to be able to look, they're going to be able to attract any coach they want. And it's going to, we're going to learn a lot, but that if you're looking at an offensive mind and they're walking into a situation, you're usually getting a bad team. If you're getting a situation with Kenneth Walker, JSN, DK, Charles Cross, uh, potentially a quarterback, a top 15 pick or top 16 pick, man, like, there's a lot of buzz in the league today about who's going to get this job because it's by far the most desirable of everything that's out there. Um, I'm curious real quick. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about some candidates here in a second, but uh, news broke as we, we went live here again is uh, that Nick Saban also is retiring uh, from Alabama. So another big name in coaching goes out and a lot of people are like, Oh, Pete will go to Alabama. I can't think of a less likely place for Pete Carroll's style of coaching to be welcome than Alabama. Like Nick Saban is the antithesis of Pete Carroll in terms of like fire and brimstone and yelling at everybody. And that's what they like down there. I don't, I don't see Pete doing it as far as before we talk about Seahawks next steps, which, you know, I I know I started there, but I want to backtrack for a second. Assuming Pete's not going, I agree with you, Jeff. I don't think Pete's, uh, even if he starts that way, I can't imagine him doing any kind of advisory role for, for very long. I think the assumption is he's done that he won't get hired again as a coach. If he wants to coach again, which he clearly wanted to continue coaching here. Do you think it's more likely that he does it in the pros or that he does it in college? pros why do you say that Uh, the recruiting and the ncaa violations and all the stuff you have to do is so mentally taxing especially with the way college football has gone with the portal it's just so physically demanding and i think pete i think i think the pros i think like the chargers job Pete can just come in set a culture i think that would be fantastic Pete doesn't have, do you think, I think this this is going to sound crazy and I'm going to ask it anyway. Pete doesn't have the rep in the league and at least at his age to where he, that that the ownership kept him on in this regard as potential trade bait, right? No one's going to trade for Pete. Not his age. 
But I can't this, this quote just came out from Sean McVay. Uh, he said, what a great coach. What an amazing leader. Ultimate competitor. Coach Carroll is a stud. If I'm sitting up here to be able to do this as long as he did, holy shit, that would be impressive. Great. Sean McVay. He can go fuck himself. I yeah. like Sean McVay. Um, I had a very but, nice quote to say about Pete Carroll five minutes ago, though. Do you want to hear it? It's probably sad he can't uh, beat on him anymore. Yeah, said, exactly. Do you want me to read it, though? I think but it he just, nice. Jeff just read it. You weren't listening. You read the full thing? Yeah. Oh. Um, Evan, a lot of folks, you know, all over, including us, have said Dan Quinn yeah. is a he's at least a likely candidate. There's no doubt he's going to be a candidate. Um, John Schneider's leading the search. Do you think it's as simple as Dan Quinn? Or do you think that that John's going to go beyond that? Yeah, so I, uh, I hope it's beyond that. I completely agree with you, Jeff, when it comes to how the, the process by which they execute this search needs to be exhaustive. It needs to include numerous candidates and it should not just be as simple as like if it, and I agree with you hundred percent, Jeff. So I'm parroting some of what you said. So just be aware of that. But like, I do agree with you in saying like, if it ends up being Dan Quinn, I'm actually relatively comfortable with that, but I don't think you automatically elevate Dan Quinn just for the sake of continuity. Like to me, there's very much like, then just you should have stayed with Pete. You know what I mean? Like if you're looking for fresh ideas um, on both sides of the ball, new leadership, it's probably going to require somebody who hasn't been in Seattle before. So it's more of a process thing. Like I don't, I, I don't really have a huge preference if they, I actually would prefer them not to hire like an outside uh, coaching firm to conduct the search. I, I hope they keep this in house, um, but it needs to be exhaustive in process and it should not be as simple as continuity. I think if ownership was running the search and they fired John, that would 100% happen. I think John's going to get pretty much carte blanche to run the search and John's is connected in the league. And we're going to learn a lot about what he values based on this decision. Do you think, um, I'll ask both of you, do you think that Jim Harbaugh is someone that John Schneider would want to recruit as, as head coach? And do you think Jim Harbaugh would want to come into a situation where there's a GM that's established and is the one making the calls? I'm asking genuinely, you know, my opinion on this. So do I think he would want it? No. And do, no. do you think he would want it? And do you think John would want him? No. So no on both sides. Yeah. Jeff. Yeah. I think John spent enough time around uh, Sherman and Baldwin to hear one side of the stories, but they've drafted Michigan players a lot. They clearly do admire him and Pete do have a lot of the same philosophies. Just John's coach. I mean, Harbaugh's coach in college. So it's a lot easier to execute a lot of it. And he's, but I can't see either that. I think Harbaugh is going to be very specific in terms of hiring his own GM. And I don't think he'd want to be in an organization where the GM is the power broker of the organization. And I don't think John wants to be in that situation either, where he's got another kind of celebrity head coach. I think it's going to be a more, a much more traditional structure moving forward with the GM and then the coach and not the heck, the celebrity head coach that's been running the organization. Not celebrity, yeah. but like 
I know what you mean. I think I think it's uh, someone that's got some some uh, some cred coming in. Um, I agree. I I, th- I can't imagine John wanting to work with Jim Harbaugh uh, for a lot of reasons, and I can't imagine Jim Harbaugh moving into a, a role where he would not be in total control of what's going on. He he's lived through that at the NFL level, the same way Pete, you know, his first experience was. I just can't imagine him giving up that kind of control. Um, I think, guys, yeah, go ahead. Are you guys surprised John was retained? No, no, I'm not at all. Can you? Um, one of the things that happens in pro sports is that GMs and owners are always super tied together, and especially one that has like the kind of standing John has. I'd say if it was a more like dominant ownership that was more like more traditional, but like football ownership, they might want to blow everything up. But I bet you John is the one the the organization leans on. I think you see GM sitting with owners in the owner's box during games. It's a well-known thing that happens in sports. And John is so respected in the league, but ownership and GMs typically they're the first person that they have the year of. So I don't know if John's been kind of angling, but I wouldn't be surprised if John's sort of been angling that it's time now. Um, I think it's just it would have been a lot for this ownership group to just hand over and try to hire both those positions. I think having John run the whole thing now is just a really natural, easier transition for them than having to kind of rehire two figures of this stature. I want to get back to the Dan Quinn thing for a second. So I did have the chance to meet a lot of the coaches and personnel people through the years with the Seahawks. You know, I met Gus Bradley, talked to him, Tom Cable, Pete, John, you know, Dan Morgan scout, like a bunch of, a bunch of the guys in the organization and Dan Quinn, this is back when he was still the defensive line coach. He stood out to me. I, I like in in a few conversations, he stood out as a leader to me. And then watching the decisions that he made, I, I think people people don't understand how his impact has been felt on the defensive line in every place that he's gone to coach, um, and that that's his specialty. Where Pete's specialty was the secondary. Um, someone made some smart ass comment to me about ah, Dan Quinn's just good in in uh dallas because he's got micah parsons like are we sure dallas would have had micah parsons if dan quinn wasn't there i'm not um like dan quinn moved red bryant to five technique dan quinn helped he was part of he's who helped uh identify and draft michael bennett before he got let go um that season like this guy's an excellent defensive, an eye for defensive line talent. And I think he's a great leader. And so I think a lot of people are like, ah, yeah, he, he blew the Super Bowl and then flamed out. He's not that good. And I look at Bill Belichick. I look at Pete Carroll. I look at so many coaches in their first gig. They forget making the Super Bowl. They barely have any winning records in their first gig as a head coach. And I look at what is some of the things that Pete Carroll has really struggled with in his career here. Hiring, hiring assistants. 
hiring OCs, DCs. Who was Dan Quinn's first hire in his first head coaching job? It's Kyle Shanahan as OC. Show me a better. And like Kyle wanted to work with him. So like, show me a better judge of, of, of like a better hire as your first hire than that. So I get, I like, I don't think Dan, like, I think there's a lot of reasons to not think Dan Quinn is like the answer, the end all be all. But I think Dan Quinn is a legitimately good option for the Seahawks. And I hundred percent disagree with the notion of people are like, ah, he's just the same as Pete. I, I think that's totally wrong. I also think that people are misunderstanding the fact that Dan and John know each other and could hit the ground running. They wouldn't have, would not have to have the period of time where they get to know each other, decide like have power dynamic issues. They would just be able to start working. So if you want the chance to have, you know, a symbiotic relationship and you believe that's important in the GM and the coach, I think you're going to have a hard time beating Dan Quinn as a candidate. doesn't mean I think he's the only candidate or the best candidate, but I think that I think he's a really strong option. And I, uh, you know, I get the notion of, man, you got to hire offensive head coaches now, because if you hire a great OC, they're going to get hired into a head coach position. So, yeah. Jeff, I know you've got some some offensive guys that are on your list. Who who's who, do you have anyone that's at the top of your list? Um, it's hard to say. The, the most intriguing profile is Ben Johnson in Detroit. He's just been such a brilliant X's and O's guy. That I like how they've drafted. I like that he's shown an ability to maximize individual players. Uh, he's really interesting. The guy in Houston, the OC uh, Bob Slowick, Bobby Slowick. He uh, has a really interesting background. He was on that Shanahan staff in Washington. He was with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. And C.J. Stroud has credited him for being, like, the tough leader on him this year. Uh, he, he's done a really good job with C.J. Stroud. He's got a really interesting background. But, Brian, you hit on the point that I just make time and time again. We all focus on who the, who the best coordinator is. This is a totally different job. Like, obviously, you want someone right now in the NFL because of how – hard is to find a good OC to have, to have the offensive play caller background. It's just so hard to find good ones. Seattle struggled with it. It's we saw it happening with Quinn in Atlanta where they had Shanahan, they were in the Super Bowl and then they were never quite the same after he left. And if they just promoted Shanahan, who knows? But you're not looking just for a play caller. You have to run the whole building. And like there's been so many play callers who we thought like teams just look at okay, who are the good play callers on good teams and that's how you find an Arthur Smith. That's how you find a Nathaniel Hackett, guys who just flame out after two years. And it's really important that you they're looking for leaders, ideally for me, a leader and a play caller. But so I've heard really good things about Slowick. I've heard really good things about uh, Ben Johnson. And but uh, there's Brian Callahan's another really interesting name. He's not a play caller in Cincinnati, but he's developed a lot of players. His dad, Bill Callahan, is like the greatest offensive line coach in the league. That'd be interesting if you could bring him over for a clear area of struggle. But for me, it's all about if it's a defensive guy, so much of it is about building a staff. And that's what Quinn's maybe best asset is. Like Al Harris, we all remember from the Alex Bannister game. He's He was Quinn's first hire in Dallas, and he's one of the up-and-coming coaches in the league defensively. Like if that guy you can bring over. So building a staff is so important for the next job. If you're hiring one of these offensive guys, they got to have a good defensive coordinator. 
So I want someone who can build a good staff. And we've talked about that with Pete for years. That's where he's really struggled. And I want someone who can be a leader who can build a good staff. And typically what happens in these situations is sort of like when you break up with a partner, you want someone who's complete opposite of what you just had. So I'm not saying they should hire an asshole or something, but typically like if you have a defensive coach, you go to an offensive coach, that's typically the Seahawks have gone from Mora to Carroll. So they haven't had an offensive coach since 2008. So if you look at where the talent is on this team, it's on offense. An offensive coach would be – again, you typically walk into a situation like Tennessee where you got Traylon Burks and – remember what Seattle had when they got here? They had Hushman Zada and Branch. You're walking into a situation with Ken Walker and those receivers and carte blanche potentially a quarterback. So I'm hoping they go there. But, again, if Dan Quinn's the guy, and like Evan said, I just want to see a legitimate source, a search uh- I'm like ahead, so Evan. glad you mentioned that, Jeff, because it really does look like when you look at all the different potential landing spots for new head coaches this year, I don't know if there's a more appealing spot offensively than this Seattle team. You're stacked at receiver. You have solid tight ends. You have two very strong tackles. Uh, you obviously have Geno Smith. You have K9. You have Charbonnet. Like, what are we doing messing with these cameras? Testing different things? Trying no, to get, but, yeah. But I mean it, though, when I say, like, the landing spot potential, like, you're not starting from scratch with with offensive talent. Like, they have most of their picks, like, with the exception of a second rounder this year. They're going to have, you know, I think it's 16. Is that where it ended up being? 16, yeah. 16. Like, it's an appealing spot to land. Um, they should have their pick of the litter, relatively speaking. Do you have a preference, Evan? Like, is there a guy that comes to mind for you that you'd be most excited about? Not, not really. Um, offensive minded would be nice. Somebody who's friendly towards analytics would, would also mm. be nice. Yeah. Um, you know what, actually I'll drop a little teaser here. I was speaking with somebody who works for the, for the Cowboys organization, the franchise today. And they told me uh, just, you know, off record that Dan Quinn is very friendly to analytics internally and is always looking for any way he can, uh, you know, obtain a competitive edge. So that's just that's just what the dynamic is internally at the Cowboys from from his role and how they've interacted. Interesting. With yeah. Are there any other attributes? I, I, that's what I was going to ask. If you didn't have a person, if you had attributes, so you would prefer offensive. I think the I think modern is a like you're getting at it with analytics. Um, I think that's a, a great call. Anything else that for you you'd like that would get you excited about the next head coach? Yeah, uh, under forty years old. I'm just kidding. Um, no, you're not. That's okay. <laughs> you'd, you'd be more excited. You'd be you'd be more excited about a young gun that maybe is less proven than somebody who's done it. Hundred percent. Hundred. Why? Say more there, about why. There is there is um hope and uh unpredictability but maybe hope's really the strong word the right word there's real hope that comes with the unknown and i'm willing to take a risk there you know we just let Pete carroll go they've got a ton of talent across the board um i think i don't think taking a risk here is a bad thing i really don't like you have you've got a very competitive division with a ton of young guys you've got sean McVay, kyle shanahan rich gannon like these guys are by the way the guy in Arizona, I don't think he's as bad as everybody thinks. Um, but it's a competitive division, like 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 some stats that were being thrown out earlier. Like Pete Carroll, love him to death, but the last like 
14 games against the NFC West, we're four and 10 against them. We've got to learn to, you know, we've, we just have to compete better. It's that simple. And uh, I think new ideas might help us get there. Yeah. What about some of the other names that have been out there? Uh, you know, like Mike Vrabel, he was a surprise fire and he was thought of highly enough across the league that people were a little surprised that the Tennessee didn't try to trade him. Um, they even had to comment on that. He's more defensive oriented. Uh, he's not young, but he's not old. Uh, don't know on the analytics side. Uh, how would you feel if like he, he to me is somewhat similar to a Dan Quinn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it kind of brings me back to then why'd you move on from Pete Carroll? Um, because I think Pete Carroll is just a better version of Mike Vrabel in a much more fun version. Um, I don't know. I, I was pretty shocked to see that they let him go, by the way, that, that report that uh, the organization thought it was too complicated to trade him was hilarious. That was like, I don't know how to respond to that. Yeah. Um, I mean, would you be comfortable with Vrabel? Like, are you? I think you could do worse than Vrabel. A hundred percent. I think I mean, you could do worse than Vrabel. I mean, before his firing, he was widely considered like top six coach in the NFL, right? Yeah, I, I think he was. I think he's pretty widely like I've never been a huge Mike Vrabel fan. I think he's kind of like mm -hmm. classic tough guy image head coach that that tries to you know bludgeon you and i'm not sure i saw a lot of innovation or a lot of things that felt sustainable other than being a good leader you know um i can't point to him elevating a player or what i think he did okay on some of his assistant coach hires yeah um but yeah, I mean, he seems like a solid leader, which is a big deal. It's a it's a bigger deal than people realize in the HC position. I just can't believe they pulled the trigger on this man. I did not, I did not expect to wake up today. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Uh, like, what does it say to you about Jody Allen and Burt Cold? What it tells me is they're not selling the team anytime soon. Why? Because if you're looking at continuity and stability of key, you know, franchise leadership, uh, and you were planning to sell the team within the next year or so, and you know, you were just comfortable with winning results, maybe not, you know, uh, championship results, but winning results in the regular season, I think it makes sense to keep Pete Carroll. Like you, you know what I mean? If the goal is uh, a financial payoff and and uh, you know, um, selling the rest of Paul Allen's assets off. Wouldn't you just keep like a stable regime in place? That's good enough. Uh, at least that would be my perspective. You know, why rock the boat? Um, am I off base in, in that perspective? Well, it's, it is certainly a question. And I think we're going to learn a little bit more through this coaching search, because if I'm a coach, and you know, I have an agent, they're going to be digging into all that stuff. And if there's going to be an ownership change next year, like 2025, and that means I've got potentially just two years to see things through before a new owner comes in and can just say, Hey, I didn't write you this contract. You're gone. That's 
not something that most coaches are going to want to sign on for unless they're young, unless it's really their first chance. And then they're like, yeah, sure. Like I want my shot. I'll take it and I'll prove, prove everybody wrong. But if you're more, like, I don't, I think if you're like a Dan Quinn, who's going to, he's already got four teams interested in him or whatever it is. I'd look, I would be questioning that this is your second shot. It might be his only other shot as a head coach. So, yeah, I think it's it's valid to raise, like, does this mean that there's not going to be changes of ownership anytime soon? I think it I think it speaks highly of them, both of them, in terms of they could just they could just be proxy owners, you know, proxy a proxy owner, like like hold like basically just placeholders until they can sell the team. And not make a move like this. This is not an easy move to make. And there are, there's now going to be a ton of spotlight. Now, I think the fact that they kept John Schneider mm. is savvy. And the fact that it's John's hiring of the next head coach is savvy. Because if they hire, like, can them both, it's all on the two of them. And now, if it doesn't work out, it's like, yeah, John, you've been here a long time, too. See ya. So, I don't know. I I, I feel a lot of gratitude and appreciation for, for those two of taking the road that is harder here. And not accepting middling results. And not accepting, you know, just gut-wrenching football like in terms of the, the way the defense has played for these years and the way they've been represented there'll be people that say that the cigar thing might have been i don't think that was any final straw i don't think it helped but i think if you care about the seahawks and you watch them play this year you make this move period if you I agree you know, I'm just uh, I've seen uh, the end of some eras in the Arizona Cardinal Stadium in person. I saw Camp Chancellor get hurt. I saw Richard Sherman get hurt, plays last game as a Seattle Seahawk in that stadium. And I went on Sunday and I was like, there's a reason I didn't bring a sign on Sunday. I know we were kind of going back and forth on that. Um, it felt potentially inappropriate based off of as much as like I was advocating for change, I have great respect for Pete Carroll and uh, it wasn't the right time for a joke. So yeah. Um, God, I'm just like still processing this man. I'm going to be processing this for days. Well, I yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it certainly gives us a lot to think about. I do want to run through a couple other coaching candidates just to get any initial reactions for you. Let's um, do it. A lot of people have been mentioning Eric B enemy. What does that do for you? I mean, I think you could do worse. Like he was a hot name a few years ago. Two yeah. years ago, three years ago. Not I haven't been super impressed. He finally got his like solo C kind of shot. And I'm not I haven't seen anything that makes me super excited about him. Yeah. Um Dave Canales. He's a hot it, name right now, isn't he? Well, it's an interesting name because he comes from Seattle, so John knows him. 
No, but he's been floated to uh, was it the Las Vegas job? I think he's got more than one that there's there's been okay. some interest in him. Yeah. Um, and he certainly has demonstrated ability to lift an offense and what he's done in Tampa Bay. For me, it is too early. Like, I think that would be the <laughs> talk about taking a real leap on a guy. If that is the decision, I think it would mean that John really liked him. Uh, and already like that John knows him well enough to say like, this is going to be a great coach and we're going to get him now. Like if John made that call, then I'd feel okay, but it feels real. Okay. Hold up though. I didn't realize that this guy is kind of jacked and would fit in with the (laughs) NFC West coaches so well. Literally, if you pull up this guy's face on Google images, I never knew what Dave looked like funnily enough. Um, He fits your profile. What do you like? He's got a strict jawline. He, he's got crazy biceps, and um, this guy would uh, this would compete in the division. I didn't realize sexiness was a factor in if you, your. If you look good, you perform good, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, anybody else that I was? I actually, I'm going to take a quick browse through that's come up. Um, oh, let's. Well, we'll talk maybe a little bit more about this later tonight. Um, We'll talk about Gino later. Uh, Ooh, can we talk about that though? Yeah, sure. If you want to talk about him now, we might talk about him later too. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of content tonight, folks. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, that picture of him at the press conference was really depressing. Uh, I, I assume you saw it of him, yeah, kind of just sitting in the front row, head down. Um, yeah, I I I uh I feel for the man because he has exceeded expectations I think um for the most part the past 2 years. Yeah, he's struggled this year at times, but there are a lot of factors at play there and you know, he's uh struggled throughout his career to find a real landing spot and he finally he finally found a, you know, a head coach that really believed in him, gave him an opportunity and uh groomed him to excel relatively speaking and a new head coach could come in here and choose to go a different route pretty quickly he uh he has a big roster bonus in like five weeks so i don't know if they can hire a head coach that fast but you know there's uh i just feel for him on like an uh on an emotional level i guess it's interesting i i i get that I didn't have I didn't have that reaction partially because I just think quite highly of of Gino and I don't assume that this means that they're going to move on. I I think that them moving on from Gino and going all in on drafting a quarterback would mean John is kind of hitting reset. And I don't know that that's the move for John. I don't think I don't think they're going to get this does not feel to me like ownership saying, okay, we've made the change. Now take your three years to, <laughs> to build up a winning team. I think they're, they're saying, okay, you've got enough talent after these last two drafts, go win. And I don't know that that means that they're going to immediately then move off of Gino. So it'll depend though. I mean, I think there's reason to believe that John was 
who negotiated such a tough contract for Gino and a team friendly contract. Um, John has certainly been ready to move on from quarterbacks before Pete in the past, as we talked about earlier. So I don't think you're crazy. I just, I'm not as sure as other people are that this is, is a, a bad thing for Gino. I think it'll depend on who they bring aboard for sure. Um, one other name uh, that I, I keep forgetting to bring up, but but other people have um, actually two that we should bring up. One is Mike McDougal, who is the DC in Baltimore. Of every every like coordinator in the NFL this year, that guy's impressed me more than anybody else. Hundred percent. He's maximized, you know, several career years for multiple of those players. Yeah, them and- being a former Seattle <laughs> Mr. Clowney, who will be a free agent by the it's way, like ten and um, a half sacks this year or something like yeah. that. Like yeah, he's. I- he's- one of their top defenders. I I think what I love about him is that he's shown innovation. He they're doing things in Baltimore that nobody else is doing. Now, NFL is a mimicking league and what was innovative one year is not the next, but it at least demonstrates some potential to think differently and be smarter than other people and make counter moves. So, I think he's really interesting. He is defensive and so I know people have some issue with that. And the last person I bring up is uh, Kalen DeBoer. Um, obviously, the Huskies did not pull it off in the the championship game. DeBoer is a hot name. Um, do you think there's a chance that John would look local? They obviously know each other. Do you think there's a chance that he would bring in Kalen DeBoer? Would the Huskies let him walk? I know they're probably working on an extension, right? I thought that, yeah, what's his contract? I mean, um, is it public information? Like how, uh, how long coordinators are under? Yeah, they don't have a contract. I don't think he's, I don't think he has an extension. Yeah. I thought that that, that was the conversation is that they were trying to lock him up. Yeah. I mean, maybe like, He's very John's pretty tight with the local UW guys, though, mm-hmm. isn't he? Like that mm-hmm. that staff, and has been historically as well. Maybe, but wouldn't you would think like the new head coach though would have complete autonomy over a new OC pick, right? Yeah, and I think you Ryan, you could do worse than Ryan Grubb. Hundred percent. Do you think Shane Waldron somehow? You think he's gone? Yeah. He hits the bricks. Yeah. I mean, this is also just an indictment, like for all the nice things we said, the accurate thing we said about Pete is like, there's nobody to step up with Pete, with them, like moving on from Pete. There's not like someone there like, Oh yeah, this is the guy we want to be our next head coach. If Dan Quinn had been here and this movie had been made, then I guarantee you they would have looked to hire from within. I don't think that's even a conversation. Isn't like that's actually like I don't I don't want to criticize too much right now, but like, isn't that a total failure by franchise leadership to to not have proper succession planning in place, like internally, like? Yeah, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. it's not typical to have succession plans in coaching. Like, that's not typical. It's much more typical. You just change wholesale, but it's still. 
it's or at um, least have like a leading internal candidate. Yeah. You know, like somebody you could point to and be like, because I don't think you could point to a single coaching or, or, or coach on this, pre, I guess, old coaching staff and be like, yeah, he should be in consideration. No, it's, it's Dan Quinn who was not hired by Pete. He was actually hired, I think either by Jim Mora or I think it was Jim Mora. Yeah. And, but nobody it, current. Dave Canales is the only other person, but no one that's on the current um, yeah. current roster. Um, folks are asking in chat about names that we've already talked about. So folks, if, if you have just tuned in, you, you want to start the show at the beginning and, and watch the whole thing. Um, I'll offer uh, that we, we've gone through a bunch of coaches. We're going to talk. <laughs> no. <laughs> could you Could you go on the record and tell me what you will do if they actually do that? If oh, I don't think it's going to happen, I just but, really but let's, don't. can we just put it on the record? I, I don't think I would follow the Seahawks while he was a coach. I think, I think he's a trash person. I have reasons to feel that way. I'm not going to go into him. Um, it's not somebody that I would want. He's like, he's the polar opposite of Pete Carroll in terms of what I, what I would cheer for. I have a wide range, very, very, very wide range of what I'd be willing to get behind. Jim Harbaugh is not one of them. Um, I don't think that's a guy that you should want uh, leading your team. And I don't think that's a guy that I'd celebrate his success. Um, so no, I'm not interested in Jim Harbaugh. Unrelated question. That Peter King article that came out, was it yesterday, today? I don't remember when I shared it. Um, where he, he uh, not prophesied, predicted that Seattle would trade up for a quarterback. Do you think that timing was at all peculiar or just totally random? I mean, they've definitely talked to Peter. They have a close relationship with Peter King. Um, so I don't think Peter, when he talks about Seahawks stuff, is is making stuff up. Um, but there's been times that I, I know that he is kind of going off the cuff. It wouldn't shock me if if the Seahawks try to go up and get a quarterback, that if, they, if there's someone that they really love. Um, I don't know. I don't know, though. I, it, it would... I don't see the shape of how that immediately changes this team um, uh, from an overall roster perspective and the, the places that they need to improve. Um, maybe if he was a more mobile quarterback, then the offensive line being shitty would matter less, but um, don't know. I do want to um, say the super chat from one away. It, it's Lou blue uh with peter king saying the seahawks are going to trade up for a top qb is there a reasonable risk that the that in the off chance that harbaugh gets hired as a head coach they might they might choose mccarthy as the qb oh oh i see the question is if if somehow harbaugh got hired as the head coach of the seahawks would he um, then draft jj mccarthy from michigan as the qb <laughs> i hope not that kid is so overrated uh, I mean, talk about a double, a double dose of awfulness. Um, at least for me as a fan, if Jim Harbaugh got hired as coach and then they drafted JJ McCarthy, you wouldn't see my me on the pod for a few years. I, I just would not be interested in watching that team. Like that, that's just awful. So I hope. Brian, that's the case Brian, I got to run in a couple, but I wanted yeah. to ask you, uh, 
a final question on Pete Carroll. What's your favorite Pete Carroll moment? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Um, hmm. I will. Yeah, go ahead. There's a couple of recent memories that I'm probably just being affected by recency bias with him. Uh, but taking off his shirt in the prospect meeting <laughs> with DK Metcalf, that's funny as hell, man. Like that's <laughs> that that still image of him looking back at the camera, like like grinning with a with a smug look on his face. That was that was funny as hell. And you could just see DK like you know this twenty one year old kid just like entering the draft room, seeing these coaches, and like that's the first thing you see is Pete Carroll being like, "Oh, I gotta match this guy, take my shirt off," and that was funny. Um, I will give. Uh, this is a less known about, well, it was still big, but it was recent. Um, when he dunked on Sauce Gardner for the prospect uh, uh, pre-draft meeting or something happened recently. Do you remember that this offseason? No. He like, I have to pull it up to fully remember what happened, but he was like shitting on like Sauce, the cornerback from, hmm. from the Jets. Maybe somebody in the chat will remember exactly what happened, but he did it on Twitter. Pete Carroll's what? posting abilities on Twitter, by the way. <laughs> are kind of underrated he's uh he's he's good there but um yeah do you have any do you have any uh, favorite memories such a, it's interesting like it all runs together for me i mean for me the memory will will be what i like the picture i posted and i have it on a lot of my backgrounds is pete the look on pete's face with the confetti coming down in new york um i was 10 rows away from him when that was happening and uh maybe one of the best weeks of my life um, beforehand, during and after and knowing what he went through to get to that point. Um, that was pretty cool. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I also liked when he looked at the eclipse. That was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Somebody said scooter Pete as well. Yes. Oh, God, that scooter was Pete. funny as hell. Yeah. <sighs> All right, man. Well, we're going to be back tonight. So let's, uh, let's wrap there. We got our 300th episode tonight and we've got at least one, maybe more, uh, special guests who are going to keep secret. Logically you'd pro promo a show by like telling people who the cool guest is going to be to get more people to go. I'm not going to do that. I don't give a shit. We're going to do something. We're going to, we're going to unveil this person. Even the people on the show do not know who this is. So uh, looking forward to that this evening, 6 p.m. Pacific. We will see you. Until then, uh, thanks. Thanks to Pete Carroll. Thanks to everybody that tuned in. Uh, please give the show a like. Click subscribe. Patreon.com slash HawkBlogger. Support us and what we do and help us support charity as we've done. All right. Thanks, Evan. At Evan Hill HP. Be on Twitter, and I'm Brian Nenhauser at HawkBlogger. Take care. Hey, folks, this is Brian Nenhauser. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. I want you to know that Real Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast platforms. Go ahead and subscribe. Have all podcasts delivered directly to your phone after each and every show. And then go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Helps us out, gets more people to the show. Then... If you haven't already done it, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and subscribe for just five bucks a month. Gets you immediate access to our Slack channel. Join hundreds of folks in that community to talk Seahawks about wins, losses, and all things in between. 
Not to mention become eligible to win giveaways for Seahawks tickets and get to ask questions of the Real Hawk Talk crew every week on the show. Finally, if you haven't gone to hawkblogger.com recently, head on over. Tail the Tape Morning After articles are there every week. Hoping to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. Go Hawks.